With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Friday. It's a game day podcast and a post-trade deadline edition of the podcast. I'm Daniel Sowers and joined today by Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com and Jamaica Knopper of Pelicans.com as a recap everything that happened yesterday after 2 p.m. Central tonight. And oh, by the way, the Pelicans do play games tonight as they welcome in the Denver Nuggets. First off, we'll start with Andrew because Andrew had a pretty busy day yesterday. I would say always on his phone. I got tons of notifications from him. Some of them were not really relative to what I was looking for, and some of them were. Um, Andrew, describe the day for you yesterday. Uh, it is a uh, felt like I had like carpal tunnel at the end of the day. My, I was holding my phone so much, uh, texting and making calls and trying to see what was what was going on, what was uh, about what was happening, what wasn't going to happen, at, at what point were things not going to happen. So it was uh, it was an eventful day all the way. Uh, all around the NBA. And I just kind of, I also just sat and watched and did like everybody else. I think we, we saw the NBA said this morning, it was the most active trade deadline they'd, they'd ever had in terms of teams and players and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a lot of, a uh, lot of watching, a lot of, a lot of phone. And I didn't, I didn't even get that nap. Like I said, I was going to do. I'm pretty sure you got that notification at some point yesterday. I did. I think that's what Sunday's for, for you after a back to back, I think a nap might be in your future on, on Sunday afternoon. Jim, were you surprised? You talked about being the active, the most active trade deadline history. I think a lot of people, for most of the day, were waiting on a lot of things like, are things going to happen? I think Kyle Lowry was one of the one of the guys mentioned for Toronto. I know things started early with Orlando kind of unloading some of their main pieces, but were you surprised when you heard that this was one of the most active trade deadlines of all time? A little bit, mostly from the standpoint of with the play-in round added this year and there being so many more teams that are – in the race and believe that they have a chance to extend their season beyond the 72. I thought maybe there would be fewer moves than normal. There definitely have been some trade deadline days that were a lot more active than yesterday, but I think it was a little bit maybe above average in terms of the number of moves. But if, if I had carpal tunnel yesterday, by the way, it was from changing the remote control and, and updating Twitter. So I, I definitely didn't have as, as much of an issue as Andrew did, obviously our, our roles are totally different, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was, uh, that was probably the way I followed it. It seemed like all of a sudden at one point there were about eight things happening at once. So that was pretty interesting. Andrew, what surprised you on deadline day, whether it was a team, you know, of course, Orlando made a ton of moves, whether it was 
Chicago getting Vucevic. Um, what kind of surprised you about yesterday? If anything did surprise you? I think the, the, the biggest one was, was Kyle Lowry not getting moved. I think there was a lot of obviously chatter around that. I think it, he, he might even thought that with the, uh, you know, he, he kind of threw a little piece on after the, after the game and it, you know, Drake calls him during his, his availability on Wednesday night. And it, it, it seemed like, like that was it. You know what I mean? It seemed like, okay, Kate, you know, Kyle Lowry's time in Toronto is over. Um, and even if, if you were watching the jump special yesterday, uh, Brian Winhorse was like, all right, Toronto, like 20 minutes before the deadline, Toronto called everybody and said, all right, give me your, give me your best offers. Let's go. Um, obviously Philly pivots to, to George Hill, uh, Miami pivots and goes and gets Oladipo and, and, and Kyle Lowry stays in Toronto. I think that might've been the biggest thing of on the day of move, 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 move. The guy who we thought was kind of the biggest name who was going to move doesn't go anywhere. Jim, before I get to you with the Pelicans um, and what they did, Andrew, one more question for you. Was there a sneaky move that maybe kind of flew under the radar that maybe teams were like, well, wow, that may help them. I think the George Hill, when he mentioned comes to mind as kind of an, and under the radar move, but was there one that you know kind of popped up like, oh wow, that no one's really seemed to talk about? The I, I would I would say it's the George Hill one. I think Philly needed a point guard. They needed a guy who could shoot. George Hill can do both of those things. Um, that that was definitely one that maybe the surprising move was Toronto clearing out guys. It seemed like because they were going to have to take guys back in a trade and then didn't do it. Um, and I think they still went forward with, with those. I mean, that, that was probably the shot. Like you, you just knew they were just, they were, they, all right, we're, we have to take back three guys from whoever. Um, I think the biggest one, it's not flying under the radar, but, but Chicago pushing all in with Vooch was definitely one that I was, that kind of perked up to, you know, like, all right, that's, that's a, that's a move that shows Chicago is, is in and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're going to try and, and, and make something happen this season. Yeah, that, that was definitely one that stuck out to me yesterday, that's for sure. Jim, let's talk about the Pelicans' move yesterday. Um, basically, at the end of the deadline, when everyone thought maybe the Pelicans were going to stand pat, they make the move to trade J.J. and Nicola Melli to the Mavericks for James Johnson, Johnson Wessel Wundu, and a 2021 second-round pick. What was your reaction when you found out that news? Of course, there was a lot of rumors floating around around J.J. the last couple of weeks, but um, when this move finally happened around 2 p.m. Central, what was your initial thoughts? I mean, I think the two guys that they added, I mean, we'll see how much they play and how big of a role that they have in the rotation. But um, I could definitely see it from the standpoint of their two defensive guys. We've seen James Johnson hurt the Pelicans in various games over the years in his career, especially when he's been in the Western Conference. I know he's been on a bunch of different teams. But, um, but, but that was the first thing I thought was, and it was something that David Griffin addressed this morning in his pre press conference was that, the, those two additions were made with the idea that they might be able to help defensively. Um, it was something that Brandon Ingram talked about as well after shoot around that those are two guys that he's played against a ton and that they both are known for James. And I think in different ways, James Johnson is very rugged, tough defender. He's a guy that I think I'm not um, exaggerating when I say that I think there's players in the NBA that are a little bit afraid of him and scared of him. And then uh, a lot of players are afraid of him. Yeah. And, and, and Wes Awundo is just athletic. He's kind of a, the, the athletic wing that I feel like the Pelicans haven't had over the years. It's, it seems like that, that type of player has just not been on the roster. So 
Um, I, it, obviously, we'll be curious to see how much of an impact they make and how much they get on the court. But but those are really the things that I think about when I when I see saw those two players' names. What about you, Andrew? What did you think of the move? It was uh, I think it was surprising considering the the fact that we had heard so much about JJ going to. To, to, to the Northeast and going home. And that, that's why I, I kind of, I, I asked about that to, to, to Griff this morning. And, you know, we had heard so much about it. What, what happened? Like, where, and he, he even said, he like, once it became clear that those teams weren't going to make any sort of real competitive offers. And I think they, I think maybe they were waiting for, they thought the Pels wouldn't do anything and JJ would just hit the buyout market. But um, the, the, you know, Griff stood, stood pat and, they, they, they said, hey, look, we, we have a team who's contending is, is going to be a playoff push. I mean, we're we're still on the outside of the, even the play-in tournament. So if, if you would like to go there, um, they'll, you know, we'd be willing to, to, to send you to Dallas. And I think that was, uh, I guess the, the surprising thing was, was actually making that move. Um, but as far as getting James Johnson and Wesley Windu back, they'll, like, like Jim was saying, they're both defensive-minded guys. I think James Johnson while he's on the, the latter end of his career, he's been a guy who can defend threes, fours, and fives. Uh, he brings a, a defensive versatility that, that I don't think you had on this roster before in terms of, of guarding up. I mean, when we talk about defensive versatility, a lot of times we talk about guys like Lonzo and Josh Hart who could guard one, two, three, or maybe even one, two, three, four in certain situations. But I don't think you had it from a guy who could do three, four, five in that way. It's It'll be – uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how much he actually plays, um, you know, in, in this rotation, especially uh, considering he, uh, there's not a lot of, of practice time left in terms of uh, the rest of the season. So, uh, and then to, to Windu, he, you know, he, he's another defensive minded wing who can, who can help you out there. I think, I think we're more likely to see James Johnson on the court, but uh, you know, if, if, you know, if opportunity presents itself, I'm sure Wes would, uh, you know, take the opportunity, especially since his deal is already, you know, guaranteed for next season. Of course, David Griffin spoke to the media earlier today as a recording this afterwards. Jim, what did you learn from David Griffin's press conference this morning after kind of talking about what happened at the trade deadline? I think one of the biggest things that he emphasized today was the development of some of the younger guys. I know we've talked about this on the radio postgame show, as well as on the podcast before, um, how everyone wants things to happen overnight. Everyone wants things to happen immediately. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. I think the fact that people are competitive also is a big factor in that and that it's, it's also understandable that people are disappointed. I think if you listen to, to Griff talk, he, he is as well in terms of the team being 19 and 24, but what, what's happened recently, especially with Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker is that they've been making strides. And I think, the way that you look at those guys right now on March 26th is a lot different than you probably did on January 26th in terms of just them playing a lot better and, and showing a lot of signs that they are going to be a big part of the, the, the team's future. So I think that was probably the biggest takeaway I had from Griffin's uh, press conference this morning was just the, the focus on some of the younger guys. And I, I know this is another different conversation, but um I know fans in general, maybe almost across the board, are very happy to see some of the younger guys get more playing time lately. And that that could be something that we see a lot more too in the last 29 games of the season. Another guy, another guy I didn't mention was 
obviously Kyra Lewis Jr., who's had some really good games lately. Um, just seeing those guys on the court over the last couple months of the season, I think will be really interesting to see how much they keep progressing and improving. Andrew, uh, of course, the name that was floating out yesterday and, and for the last few weeks has been Lonzo Ball. And, of course, David Griffin addressed that today. What did you learn from what David said? And what can you tell fans about the whole situation as far as, you know, fans going back and forth, whether this was the time to maybe make a move for Lonzo or, or see how this goes? Because there's been a lot of great games you've seen between Ball, B.I., and Zion. And like David Griffin said, there's been some games that those three have been disappointing with each other. So was it more of just him wanting to see a little bit more from that core uh, for these last 29 games? Yeah, and I think uh, before I get into that, I want to say I, th I think David Griffin spends a lot of time on Twitter because he he mentioned that uh, Lonzo, the, the narrative around Lonzo yeah. is he's the greatest player in the world or the worst NBA player that's ever played the game. Exactly. So, uh, I think I think we've all seen that in our mentions post and uh, post games or pregame at whenever uh, off day doesn't doesn't seem to matter. Uh, I, I think for Lonzo, he he said it's you know. Lonzo has made it clear to him, and this was the, the exact quote, he's made it very clear personally, one-on-one, -on -one, that he wants to be here. He wants to, you know, Lonzo wants to be in New Orleans. Um, I, I think they they have found a, a, a role where Lonzo is probably, despite whatever, who, whoever wants to say it, I think Lonzo is playing his best basketball uh, of his career. He's, he's, he's scoring at a, a career-high rate. Uh, he's shooting at a career-high rate. He's got a confidence from the free-throw line that I don't think he's ever had in his career, the way the Pels have used him as really a, a full court point guard, but uh, a, a half court three and D type guy. Um, it's it, I, I, you can see where it's working out for him right now as a, as a, a guy who can, you know, he'll take the best assignment defensively. Uh, now you, you have 29 more games to figure it out and see. And I think the key, at, at least to me is going to be not necessarily we, we know how Lonzo plays with Zion. We have four years of Lonzo playing with B.I. It's how does Lonzo fit with the, the other pieces right now? How, how You know, you, you have a uh, – excuse me, you have a pick and to kill Alexander Walker who has has played a lot more uh, in the last few weeks and has, has, has seemingly excelled as a starter when he gets those extra minutes. You know what I mean? Like when he, when he knows he's getting 25, 30 minutes a night, Nikhil plays a lot better. Uh, how does he fit next to Kyron? I think those are the pieces you want to see him next to right now. How does he complement those two guys uh, or how do they complement him really? And, and then kind of you're able to make decisions on what you want to do from there. Um, that's, I think, going to be the bigger key for me uh, for the rest of the year moving forward as you try to figure out what number you want to put on Lonzo and, and, and see what happens with him going there. You know, I wonder to, to what your what your point about, you know, there's 29 games left in the season. There's a longer period of time coming up here that you can get to see Lonzo Ball play. And hopefully he'll be back on the court soon with the injury. It sounds like based on what David Griffin said today that he's not going to play this weekend at all. So, um, but hopefully the last 20 plus games, Lonzo will be able to get on the court. But I, I wonder though, in general, not just for the Pelicans, but just teams around the NBA, if they want to get a longer um, sample of Lonzo Ball because he had a really good stretch last year and then the uh, pandemic happened and obviously he didn't play well in the bubble. Um, he's had injuries. It doesn't seem like he's been able to, and this is not really his fault, but he hasn't really been able to have like a stretch of 30, 40, 50 games where you, you say like, okay, 
he's been on the court this entire time and he's played at a certain level. Um, it just seems like I wonder if that's what part of the equation for him, not just like I said with the Pelicans, but just teams across the NBA in terms of assessing him. And I think in some ways when you're going into restricted free agency, um, it's good for everyone to just have a, have a longer period of time and more games under his belt so that everyone can get kind of a, a, a clearer picture of exactly what, what he is and what level he is as a player. And then, and then you can base your assessment and your, your valuations on that basically. Yeah. I think that the health thing is one thing. And the, the, the bigger thing that I think is, I think teams have figured out that he's a shooter now that like the shooting thing is not going to go away. And I think that, that couple with the health will be kind of, I think, what determines his value when we get to the summer. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I know this is a busy morning for both of you as you're trying to get some content up there. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. Pelicans.com, ESPN.com is the way to go. Those two do a great job covering the team and the rest of the NBA. Guys, I really appreciate it. I'll get back to your work, and I'll talk to you both tonight uh, as the Pelicans take on the Nuggets. Thanks again. I'll wave to you from the top, Daniel. I always do. I always catch the wave. I appreciate it. All right, good stuff there from Andrew Lopez of ESPN as we wrap things up on this Friday. We bring back FanDuel Friday. Of course, Tom Vecchio has been able to help us out all season long. We took a little bit of a hiatus with the all-star break and scheduling, but he's back joining us now every Friday. Tom, good to hear from you. Hope all is well. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Obviously, exciting time of the year. We had the all-star break. We had the trade deadline yesterday. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go, too. And, of course, the two games that you can play on FanDuel right now in the state of Louisiana is the three-point challenge. And, of course, the pick them with the two nationally televised games, which there are some this Friday night. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, before we get to that, I want to talk about the three-point challenge. And I want to get your three picks for tonight. Lots of games going on on this Friday. Are there three players that stick out to you that fans can go to when playing this game? Absolutely. Tonight, one of the players I'm looking at would be Tyler Hero for the Miami Heat, obviously coming off a big game last night. And I would say this is somewhat dependent on whether or not Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic play tonight. They both were out last night. They're on the second night of a back-to-back. But more importantly, it's a great matchup against the Charlotte Hornets, who are allowing the second-most three-pointers per game to their opponents. You know, we've seen Hero struggle a little bit this season, but the opportunity is certainly there for him if Butler and Dragas were to miss again. So like him, Contavious Caldwell-Pope also a bit in the same boat where there's just extra shot attempts to the Lakers because there's no LeBron, there's no Anthony Davis. We saw him get hot last night against the 76ers. He's going up against the Cleveland team that's middle of the road against three-pointers. I don't think we need to be worried about the Cavaliers' defense. We can certainly be looking at him. And then Karis LeVert obviously returning to the Pacers starting lineup. He's taking six threes or more in three straight games, getting that scoring going. I like the matchup tonight for them. He's taking a big step forward in terms of the Pacers offense and taking that usage away from Brogren, away from Sabonis. And I like his upside. Good stuff there. Uh, since we haven't talked to you in a, lot, in a while, who are some three-point players on the three-point shooters on the rise? Uh, there's got to be some that you probably have played a little bit during your time when playing this game. Yes. So there's one that's, I would say, a little bit uh, a regular now, one that is a new character and one that is brand new. The brand new one would be James Ennis because the Magic yesterday traded away Vucevic, they traded away Gordon, they traded away Fournier. So simply because the Magic don't have a lot of players out there, he is a player that is going to be taking a lot more threes. And, you know, normally coming off the bench with Magic, he's already taking 
13 threes in the past three games. So he was a regular shooter for them who was going to be taking an even larger step forward. Now, recently, Jordan Poole for the Golden State Warriors has been seeing plenty of playing time because Steph Curry is out. He has taken six threes or more in five straight games. And then the one player, the mainstay would be Anthony Edwards, the rookie for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, we have seen him be inconsistent at times, shooting you know, two of 10, three of 13 from downfield, whatever it might be. But the opportunity is there for him. He's taking nine, 10, 12, 13 three-point attempts every single game. You know, that's better than a player that only takes four or five because he's going to be out there shooting regardless. So I like the upside from him, James Ennis as of recently or as of yesterday, and then Jordan Poole. All right, let's go to the pickums for tonight. First game on ESPN is Celtics Bucks. The Pelicans will see the Celtics on Monday night. Uh, what kind of trends or who do you maybe look out for in a game like this? So this game has an over-under sitting at 233 points, which is great. That's very high. We should be seeing plenty of scoring. I think one of the things to look for would be uh, some rebounding upside for some bench players from the Celtics because Tristan Thompson is out. They traded away Daniel Tice yesterday. So we could be seeing some extra rebounds from a player like Robert Williams or Grant Williams. And then I think the three-point upside is certainly there for the Celtics as well. Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, we're looking at plenty of scoring going. But then Chris Middleton on the other side. So if we're going to be seeing a faster pace game, potentially playing a little bit smaller because we saw the Celtics trade away some of their big men, they're also without one. We could see plenty of scoring back and forth. And then, of course, Atent Kumpo. We all know what he can do posting a triple-double on a nightly basis. So look out for him to take plenty of opportunities and then drive to the rim also because the Celtics are a bit smaller overall. Second game tonight is the Hawks and the Warriors and no Steph Curry again tonight with a tailbone injury. How has that changed the way you play on the Warriors side of things? So this is where we would see a player like Jordan Poole take a step forward, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins. All these players simply have more opportunities because Steph Curry and his 20, 25 field goal attempts aren't there. Now, Draymond Green is a bit of a mainstay when it comes to the Warriors lineup where he's out here putting up 10 rebounds, 15 assists, and scoring two points. And from a fantasy perspective, that's great because he can fill the stat sheet. And then when he happens to have 10 or 12 points, that's just all gravy at that point. So I'm always looking at Draymond Green from a very consistency, uh, you know, safety standpoint. And then you look to a player like Jordan Poole, like Wiggins or Oubre for that upside because they have the extra opportunity. And then I would say from the Hawks side, Clint Capella is in a really, really nice spot tonight. We have seen some inconsistency, I would say, from the Warriors young big men, whether it be Wiseman, whether it be Eric Pascal, whether it be Looney. They're all great in terms of the long-term plan, but they're all not great defensively right now. So Clint Capella in this spot is a an easy double-double waiting to happen. Good stuff there from Tom Becchio of FanDuel. Tom, I really appreciate the time. Glad you're back, and we'll talk to you next week. Same. Glad to be here. Excited for that. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. A busy one. Big thanks to Andrew Lopez and also Tom Becchio. Pelicans and Nuggets tonight, 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox Sports New Orleans and ESPN New Orleans. Then tomorrow, they'll welcome in the Dallas Mavericks. J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli come back to New Orleans as if they kind of never left at 8 o'clock Central Time on Fox Sports and ESPN New Orleans. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.